Hello, my name's Ben Wilson. I'm an expert advanced auditing tutor. And in this podcast, we're going to take an event from the world news and discuss it from an auditing perspective to help you to build the evaluation skills you need for those longer case study style questions. Climate change is here. It's happening. It's real. Now, we can't say that individual climate events like a bush or wildfire or flooding or a heat wave, you can't say these individual events are just due to to global warming, but we can say that the incidence of these type of events is happening much more regularly and climate change is a big driving force behind that. What's your own carbon footprint like and how's it been changing? For me personally, I now drive an electric car, so that's definitely reducing my own emissions. And I've moved to becoming an online lecturer rather than in the classroom. So that means there's far less travel. You know, my students get electronic versions of all of their all of all of their materials rather than getting paper copies. And they're not traveling to go to an air conditioned office in a city center. They're studying from their own homes. So my carbon footprint, I think, has been dropping a bit. But I definitely, well, it's a mixed picture for me because I still love to travel. Going on a foreign holiday, you know, as soon as the rules relaxed in the UK to allow international travel, I hopped on a plane to Italy. Nothing quite like experiencing the warmth and food and culture of a different place. Thinking about what governments are doing in this area before we go further with the podcast. Now, 196 countries signed up to the 2015 Paris Agreement, the Paris Accord, so-called COP21, where they agreed to legally binding targets that were aimed at keeping global warming to below 2%, sorry, 2 degrees above pre-industrial temperature levels. Now, that's the big aim, and actually the preferred target was 1.5 degrees. Now, that was back in 2015. And actually, we've got COP26 approaching. At the time of recording, it hasn't yet happened, but Boris Johnson is hosting this meeting of of international of, of, of countries coming together to agree new carbon and climate targets that will take us through the, the next coming period. So this is a moving piece. The rules are changing. And in this podcast, we're going to discuss what those rules are at the minute. I'm actually going to bring in my friend, mentor and colleague, Tom Clendon, the financial reporting expert. And he's going to talk us through what the rules are as they stand. We're then going to go on to look at a couple of example companies, Amazon as an international business and Marks and Spencers, the UK retailer, to show a UK picture. And then we're going to consider the challenges for auditors around these climate change reporting regulations. So first up, Tom and the rules. I'm joined here by Tom Clendon, who is the ACCA's expert tutor for strategic business reporting. So he's an FR guru. But Tom, what's your climate footprint like? Well, it's probably a lot better since lockdown. Um, In the last month, I've conducted training sessions in Addis Ababa, in Kingston, Jamaica, and in Singapore, but I've done them all from without leaving my own home. I've been working from home and doing them on Zoom. So uh, that's certainly an improvement. Uh, and I've holidayed in the UK. And 
under the influence of one of my sons who's a pescatarian, I'm eating more vegetables and less meat. So it's not perfect, but I'm going in the right direction. Now, in this podcast, we're discussing climate change and reporting. So maybe, Tom, if we can start by talking about why companies need to report on their carbon footprint. I think they need to report on their carbon footprint because investors are demanding of that information. And we as accountants are used to collating data, summarizing data, and reporting information. Now, the information that we're used to doing is around past historical financial performance, but that simply doesn't fully meet the information needs of users. They want to know about carbon footprint, about sustainability, for want of a better word. And it's in the company's interest to try and meet the information needs of users. Because if we meet the information needs of users, from the shareholder's perspective, from the prospective shareholder's perspective, we're going to be lowering the risk of their investment it's going to make it more likely that the investor is going to buy shares in that company, which is therefore going to maximize the company's share price. So why do companies report on sustainability issues? You could argue, if you're cynical, that it's enlightened self-interest as well as being the right thing to do. Yeah, and it's, it is something that investors care about increasingly they care about it but also wider stakeholders too employees you know the the youth of today this is something they really care about you know if you're you're picking a potential employer you want to know that they're doing the right thing in this area if you want to retain and recruit the best staff if you want to maintain a good reputation in the marketplace if you don't want to be boycotted then not only have you got to report on these issues but you've actually got to have the core values in your organization because if you report on these issues, you can be found out for greenwashing. You can be found out if, if actually you've got a fantastic report, but that's not reflecting your core values. So we as accountants in the reporting process need to be ethical, and we need to be reporting on what the company is actually doing. Yeah, and it's that, that old adage of what gets measured gets done. If you're having to report on this stuff, then it's going to encourage companies to make steps in the right direction. So exploring a little bit, Tom, about what the, what the regulation is like at the minute. So we're recording this in September 21. How would you describe the regulations at the minute in terms of what companies have to report on their carbon footprint? We're at a crossroads. If you look back, it's voluntary disclosure. If you look back, it's piecemeal application of that disclosure. It's, it's chaos. And investors, therefore, don't have a comparability, don't have a consistency of information. If you look into the future, if you look forward, then the IFRS Foundation are just about to establish the International Sustainability Standards Board, the ISSB. And they're setting that up with the objective of developing and maintaining a global set of sustainability indicators and accounting standards. So I'm hoping in a year or so's time, Ben, you know, we're going to have a proper international set of accounting standards that link in sustainability with financial reporting. But at the minute, that doesn't exist. And so that's the international piece. What about in the UK? Is it, is it the same? 
Well, in the UK, we've just introduced some mandatory disclosures under the Task Force Climate Related Financial Disclosure, which is a bit of a mouthful. It is a mouthful. <laughs> and, and, and in the UK, those disclosures are on a, a comply or explain basis. So if you're a, a listed company, if you're a quoted company, then you're going to have to make various disclosures around four key areas or explain the fact that you haven't. And those four key areas are how you've to do with governance, to do with strategy, to do with risk management, and to do with metrics and targets. Okay, so having those four areas means that there should be more comparability, I guess, between different organizations because they're having to report on those four areas. But they're very broad, aren't they? Governance, I mean, metrics, that could mean anything, couldn't it? Governance, what, what, does it, what do these mean? I mean, are they, are they getting, is there kind of clear guidance as to what should be under each of those or is it, is it left up to the company? There are some guidance. There are 11 key disclosures there, um, but it, it's broad terminology. It's asking under governance to describe how the board is overseeing and, and managing the climate risk, that the risk management is describing the organizational processes. I think these reports are going to be improved, but I think they're going to be always difficult to compare. If you're, if you're a big oil company, the nature of this report is fundamentally going to be very different than if you're a, a, a holiday company or you're, a, you're manufacturing something. Yeah, I guess so by definition, they have to be quite broad then because you're trying to cover, if this is all listed businesses, the range of different activities a listed business could do. You can't be too prescriptive, can you? Correct. And what we don't want is a tick box approach where you've just got, oh, I've, I'll disclose this, I'll disclose that. We want something which is really genuinely going to show an insight into the business model of that company, the risks that it's facing because of climate change, but actually also the opportunities that are potentially there. Because if investors understand that, it, it will help them better understand the business, which is what reporting should be about, accountability, stewardship, and giving an understanding of the business. We're now going to look at what a couple of companies are doing in this area to illustrate the current reporting standards around climate change. So Amazon, as a big listed international business based in the US, if we think about Tom's crossroads he was talking about, well, there aren't currently any rules around what an international business like Amazon has to disclose. They can cherry pick and kind of disclose whatever they like. And if you look in their most recent financial statements, their most recent annual report, in Jeff Bezos's um, chairman or chief executive officer statement, um, there's loads of information given about what Amazon is doing around climate and around climate change. And there's some great sounding stuff in here. So Amazon has a target of being net carbon zero by 2040. They've signed up to the Climate Pledge together with 53 other companies like Mercedes-Benz, Microsoft, Siemens. And under that Climate Pledge, they've got a goal of operating as a zero emissions platform. And they talk about a lot of the investments they've made, billion dollars in investing in 100,000 electric vehicles uh, to deliver their products. 
They want to use 100% renewable energy by 2025. They've invested in 62 utility-scale wind and solar projects. They've got 125 solar farms that are generating 20 million megawatts of renewable energy. These are all huge numbers and really impressive sounding, but they don't really tell perhaps the full picture. And perhaps Amazon could be accused of greenwashing, you know, cherry picking impressive sounding things whilst not telling us some of their perhaps less impressive stats and, and facts around what they're doing around sustainability. It was recently reported in the UK that Amazon destroys millions of items of unsold stock every year in its UK warehouses. This was an ITV news investigation, by the way. If you Google it, you can read all about it. But it's talking mainly about returns. You know, when people return stuff back to Amazon, the amount of hassle and cost in them repackaging and reselling it, well, it's just not worth it to the business. It's cheaper for them to just dump it in landfill or put it back to recycling rather than sifting through it and trying to resell it. That's not necessarily sticking in with their, their overall climate pledges. But it does show us the slight danger of companies being able to cherry pick what they want to report rather than having to tell the full picture. That's Amazon. Let's now think about a UK company, Marks and & Spencers. And Marks & Spencers, in their most recent financial statements, are having to comply with the task force on climate-related disclosures. So Marks & Spencers does actually have a much more significant amount of factual data reported on its own climate footprint. You know, Amazon, there's the chairman's statement, but there isn't really anything in the detailed financials about their, their carbon output, their carbon footprint. Whereas in the Marks & Spencer's financial report, well, there's a lot more specific information given. There's their carbon emissions from operational emissions, for example, setting out their operational emissions from 2011 to the current day, showing how it's been reducing and also setting out their targets for the coming years. And Marks and Spencers are following those four areas that Tom set out. Governance, first of all, what they're doing at a board level. And that really sets out the targets and metrics and how they're reporting on carbon issues throughout the business so that the board is aware of what's happening at the organization. The second area around risk management and how the overall risk management framework at the organization includes climate risk. And it sets out that actually it's the CFO that is responsible for managing this at the organization. It sets out the strategy of the business, their ambition, and their ambition is to get to net zero emissions by 2035 and setting out a series of targets en route to get there. And finally, around metrics, specific targets and numbers about their tons of CO2 emissions. It all gets quite detailed and quite technical as you read through the report. And frankly, it's quite easy to get lost in the numbers. They're enormous. Marks and Spencers are now emitting 177,000 tonnes of CO2. They're telling us that's down by 72% on 2006-2007. But these numbers, I mean, they sound huge to me. But it's very hard to kind of contextualise what that means, 177,000 tonnes of CO2, unless you are an expert in this area. And that's what we're going to explore in the next section, where we think about the challenges of auditing these sort of numbers.
So the challenges then of auditing climate disclosures, and I think there are four significant ones. Firstly, that the rules are changing. And so as the auditor, you need to keep up to date with what the rules are and the fact that this is a moving piece, you need to think about how they're changing, and make sure that whatever company it is that you're auditing is complying with the up-to-date regulations. Secondly, a lot of these measures are really technical around your CO2 emissions, for example. And so that means that the auditor is going to have to develop expertise in this area and it's not necessarily an area that they would have any knowledge around to start off with if you're going to appropriately audit the disclosures the business is making you need to really understand it yourself to start off with so there's an upskilling exercise i think for auditors here thirdly that a lot of these numbers are going to be quite subjective. There's going to be quite a lot of assumptions that go into disclosing these, these figures. Management are going to be making lots of subjective assumptions. You know, for example, with Marks and Spencers we discussed earlier, how much of their own carbon footprint should be disclosed? And how much should they be including the carbon footprint of their suppliers, their wider supply chain? Yeah, there's going to be some subjectivity there as to what exactly is included. And as a business, they're not going to be measuring in detail every single activity the business is doing. They're going to have to make assumptions about particular activities and the CO2 output of those activities. So there's going to be assumptions in there. There's going to be judgment. And so being able to challenge management appropriately on whatever judgments they're making, that's going to be a real challenge for the auditor. And finally, this is an area where we're quite likely to have to rely on third parties. Some of these emissions figures are going to be reviewed by experts or prepared by experts. We might need auditors experts or management experts to create some of these figures. And so there's going to be challenges around, are we able to rely on who has ever has prepared these figures? Have they got expertise? Are they suitably independent and objective? So this is a real challenge for the auditors. The more that's disclosed here, the more work there's going to be for auditors. They're going to have to upskill. And frankly, it's going to have to be reflected in audit fees going forward, the extra work that's required here. That's it for this edition of the AuditCast. It's been a long one, hasn't it? Climate change is a really big topic. Thanks for sticking with it all the way through. I hope you found it useful. And if you have, please share this resource with other students. And you can check out my other resources and courses at benwilsonaaa.com.